Hello, this is Ed, and welcome to another session of my podcast. Today's session, I will be talking about reflection or reflective practice. Um, reflection is something that we sometimes do, but we are really unaware of. Um, you might have an idea of what reflection is. It's basically looking back. But what's very specific about reflection as a word or when used in the context of reflective practice is that, yes, you do look back, but then you try to make sense of the situation that happened. Because looking back in itself and only in itself is simply just recall. But when we talk about reflection, reflection is as I said, making sense of the situation and trying to gain new learnings out from that recall that you did. So sometimes it does involve questioning, or I think it will involve questioning, like questioning things like what could you have done better on the situation and what could you have, what could have been the consequences if you did another alternative of the task. So these things do come into the open when you reflect effectively. Reflective practice is quite common in in health courses, especially in nursing, because there are a lot of situations where students are exposed in the clinical areas. And in order to make the most of their learnings in the clinical areas, they are required to involve themselves in reflective practice in order to make sense of what they did in the clinical areas. Because there's this is one thing about uh, working in the clinical areas and also learning in the university. The university teaches you ideal stuff, basically step by step on what is in the book. And I'm not saying that the clinical areas or the hospitals, community centers do not follow what is in the book. They do follow what is in the book, what is evidence-based, but sometimes they can be shortcuts into this. And that can be confusing sometimes for students because they might be too bookish on a certain concept or a certain task. But then again, in the real scenario, there are shortcuts because sometimes you do have to tailor your care according to the individual or according to the patient or the person. And that's what person-centered care is. It's tailoring according to their needs. Uh, The book tells you in great detail, uh, really tells you everything that you need to know, but I think it's up to the clinician to have good judgment on what can be really applied. And Reflection helps you to merge what you have learned from practice as well as what you have learned in school. That's why reflective practice is quite common in health courses because it helps them get the meaning out from that situation. So I have been a nurse for quite some time and there are areas in my life as a professional wherein I do reflect even if it's not a requirement in the university or even if I'm not more connected to the university at all like just as a professional nurse there are times that you do reflect because 
each situation is always different. I mean, one unique thing about the clinical area is that there is nothing routine in that workplace, or if ever there is, but you're always learning something new. Each situation is all different, and regardless of how many years you've been working in the clinical area, there's always something new to learn. And I find this very, very useful, like reflective practice, because it really hones me to, to uh, as far as my decision making is concerned, it really hones me. And when you do reflective practice, it really helps you remember stuff. I remember one time wherein I was a student um, and I dealt with a patient where the patient was really critically ill and the patient was definitely dying to the point that actually the patient died. Uh, it's just the gravity of the situation as well as the gravity of her illness that led her to her death. And as a student, that can be very, very overwhelming. As a student, you are very bookish. You tend to do things by the book. And there are also things that you've observed that sometimes do not really merge well with, with what is in the book. And reflecting really helped me a lot to, in order to make sense of the situation, as well as to inquire about why this intervention was done by this nurse, why wasn't this not done, or how come um, they got on with this kind of decision. So I, you do need to reflect, even if it wasn't a requirement in school, I reflected, um, I was focusing on my feelings, I was recalling about what happened um, as the event itself, and at the same time, I tried to question stuff. And that's what reflection is. You get learnings out from from what has really happened. So there are ways on how you can systematically reflect, and we have several authors who have developed frameworks for reflection, which can be very, very useful when you do reflective writing. Uh, first, before I go to one of the most famous framework, we have a, a concept about reflection in action and as well as reflection on action by SCON. Uh, I think it's pronounced as SCON, S-C-H-O-N. And what this means is that he detailed about uh, reflection in action as something that we do reflect at some point or sometimes in our life while the action is ongoing. And that's what you call reflection in action. There are also times that we do reflect in our life, which is after the action or after the event has happened. Like let's say you work in the clinical area, uh, you were working on your feet, there was a difficult situation and it was such a new experience to you. And then when you came home, which was really after work, that was the time that you tried to reflect. So that is what you call as reflection on action. So there's some truth into this because sometimes there are really times in our life where we do reflect while the experience is ongoing. And I can definitely tell that based on my experience in the clinical area wherein I do reflect on the job because it's new to me, but at the same time, I think it was just nature to me as well because I had to require myself to produce decisions even if the situation was difficult, but I have to produce the decisions. And that's the stress sometimes in the clinical areas is that there is always that 
um, degree wherein you are asked to decide then and there regardless of the situation even if you're too busy even if you have not eaten yet it's not the same as uh, working in the office where I could just set this paperwork aside and I'll think about that in the next two hours in the clinical area most of the time they will require you to decide then and there because the life of the patient of the patient is at risk and reflection and action that's what you do when you are asked in school to give a reflection give a reflection about uh, your experience or an episode of care that you have done and you try to go home went to, you went home after the work and then you try to think about that situation you try to write about it you try to question it try to listen to your feelings so that's what reflection on action is so here i want to talk about one of the famous framework uh, by gibbs which is the gibbs reflective model uh, the Gibbs reflective model is a circular model, and if you could Google that, it's good, so you can really see that circular model and how it really flows. And it has six components. So it starts with description or describing, and then you have the feelings, you have the evaluation, then you have the analysis, and the fifth one which is the conclusion and the sixth one which is the action plan and then the action plan because it's circular as i said so there's six components it then goes from action plan it then goes back to description now let me try to describe this to you one by one because gibbs reflective model is really a very popular model and Sometimes this model is used in reflective practice whenever they write an essay or students write an essay uh, about reflective practice where, where and they try to reflect about a certain situation and talk about stuff. So when you say description, which is the first in this model, description is basically just narrating the events, narrating old stuff that happened. So you just really say what you need to say and be objective about it so it's not really a room for opinion so you shouldn't really include what you think about the situation when it comes to describing it's just typically just recalling and putting everything uh, based on what you really recall and the next your feelings in this part you try to listen and try to look back as well as to what you really felt on that situation so did you feel like you can question like did you feel sad about the situation did you feel happy were you having that feeling of interest were you confused um, so these are the things that you have to include in feelings and in evaluation you, you try to determine what went well and didn't work so well so after all the describing after all the uh, mentioning of what your feelings are you try to then uh, look at what were the things that were good what aspects were good out from the situation and what were also the bad aspects so that's in the evaluation part um, when in the making of an essay you do have to make reference of things so it's important as well because that's like learning um, in itself, I mean, we could reflect, but at the same time, our opinions of things may not be correct. So in order to support that opinion that was created out from the questioning, it's very, very important that you take reference of it. Like, for example, 
you took a blood pressure of a patient. So description would be how you took the blood pressure. You asked the patient, uh, patient offered their arm, and you placed the blood pressure machine, or we call it sphygmomanometer, on the patient's arm. And that's how you took the blood pressure. Feelings would be how you felt during the situation. Um, maybe you felt, um, you felt um, calm because the patient was very, very cooperative. So that is feelings. And then evaluation would be what went well, what didn't go well. So let's say if the situation is you took the blood pressure of the patient several times because you had a hard time hearing the, the there's what a sound we call as Krotkov sounds. So let's say you had a hard time hearing the sounds, that Krotkov sound um, of the patient. And you try to question what were the good aspects and bad aspects. Maybe there were things that you did wrong in terms of placing the blood pressure cuff. And then you take reference. You, if, uh, if you think that this situation was done incorrectly, um, because according to this author, in order to be effective in listening to the Krotkov sounds, this is how you should place the blood pressure cuff in the patient's arm, or you should check this first before checking that. So that's what I mean about putting references or including the or making sure that the thought or the opinion that was brought up out from the questioning and reflecting is well supported by a known reference. So I've talked about description, about feelings, about evaluation, and the next is analysis. So analysis from the word analyze, it's like from that situation, you break that situation into parts and you look at the parts or that piece uh, at different angles. So in here, you try to, to ask about like what things could have facilitated you in terms of making the task uh, effective or what could have hindered you in being effective in performing the task. So these are like what facilitated your learnings, what hindered your learnings. Um, in here, you try to also explore options, um, including like what tools have you used that has really helped you with the task. So that's what analysis is. Um, it's like looking at what facilitated uh, your learnings, what facilitated the task, what hindered your learnings, what hindered you in being effective with performing tasks. And now we have conclusion. So conclusion is easy because you have described the situation, you've narrated about your feelings, you've tried to evaluate wherein you tried to, to ask about what are the good and bad aspects. And then you have your um, after evaluation analysis, which is like you tried to ask about what hindered, what facilitated, you in the performance of a task or in that situation. Um, conclusion is basically just learnings, like what will you do differently next time? So this is what conclusion is. And conclusion is not the last part in Gibbs cycle. And in fact, it's very hard to say that there is a last part in Gibbs cycle because it's circular. But in the academic writing point of view, you do end with an action plan. So an action plan is 
basically it's just a plan about what are you going to do in order to be better next time like what are the things that you or next steps that you should do in order to be effective uh, depends on what your really goal is if your goal is to be a better uh, healthcare provider in taking blood pressures let's say let's just look at one situation because you can't really reflect everything all at once so let's say you're just looking at a particular situation um, just taking of the blood pressure uh, how would you do better next time uh, this will be your action plan so it's like a plan and it's basically based on the learnings that you have gained so Gibbs model is just one of the models of reflection that can be used and it's very very popular there are also other reflection models out there you could research about that but in this podcast i'll just be talking about the gibbs reflection model which can be used in reflective practice and if you search the internet you might find the words like driscoll um, these are also popular models of reflection and the point of reflective practice is that it does help people to learn more about the situation there are situations in life where we do reflect even if it's not a requirement and we try to question things this models will just really help you to be systematic so it's just like a formula that could really guide you on how you would reflect in a very very formal way and reflective practice is really highly useful in remembering concepts as well because when you think about the situation and when you try to focus it on closer details and try to question it i mean the human mind the how the human mind works is that it does remember stuff when you try to give time on a certain concept and you try to question the different angles of it and i think that's the value of reflective practice is that it does help you gain knowledge about certain stuff um and it helps you remember things um and if possible, it really helps you remember things for life, which can be very, very valuable, which you could actually carry along with you in your professional life. Because when you have reflected upon a certain situation and when a certain dilemma or certain problem happens again, in your mind, you can then immediately recall like, oh, this happened last time and I've given this a thought i've really given much thought about this certain situation and i think in order to do best this time is this is how i should do it because you over already made let's say an action plan in your head about how you should make yourself be effective in a certain task or in a certain situation so i'll end my podcast with uh, there is a uh what do you call this there is a a phrase or yeah there's a phrase that i've actually read um online which is really really good about reflective practice and goes like this your experience have shaped who you are but experience alone isn't enough to grow as a person you need to learn from your experiences Um, that in itself i think talks a lot about reflective practice and the value of reflective practice so i hope you've learned about reflective practice in this podcast session and i hope you will also apply that in your life professional life or even if personal if it's personal life uh, that will also give value because it does make us um, self-aware of things uh reflective practice is just one of the ways in how we can involve ourselves in self-awareness 
self-awareness is quite important because it helps us be aware of the stuff that we are not aware but other people are aware um, reflection is just one of the ways that one can involve self-awareness because there's so many ways on how one can involve with self-awareness that could be like asking feedback from people that could also be about like about taking a personality test uh, personality tests like those like let's say the 16 personality factor test uh, because i know there are just personality tests uh, online like in facebook which is just 10 questions and you could just have the result then and there very very quickly but i'm not talking about that i may think it's best to take personality tests that are really objective and at the same time have been studied by experts to be effective in a way. And that's one way of making sure that you are also including yourself or involving yourself in self-awareness. So reflection is just one. Uh, another popular um, way, or for, uh, I think there's a, there's a famous uh, framework that can be used for self-awareness, which is the Johari's window. Uh, if you search about that in Google, that will give you four quadrants that will really help a person to systematically uh, involve himself or herself in self-awareness. And of course, I will not talk about that in this podcast. Uh, but basically, uh, I've spoken about reflection, and I hope you will apply this in your professional life as well as personal life. So. Again, thank you very much for listening to my podcast and have a nice day.